Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Tass and I are here alone in the studio today. Woo, creepy. I know, setting up a haunted house, <laughs> uh, working on some bonus content stuff. But speaking of bonus content stuff, <gasps> that's going to be creepy. Tass, how ready are you for next Monday? What's happening next Monday? <laughs> next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, Tass's new show, Lucid Inc., is starting. Oh, that's due? That's oh, yeah. Due today. Oh, oh, God, not ready at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably wing it. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, if you have heard us talk before about End of Days, or if you happen to be around to see any of End of Days, uh, because that was in a, a day and age where we didn't know to save our VODs from, from Twitch. Oops. So nothing exists from End of Days. Uh, but End of Days was a game that Tass ran once a month that was a bit of a rotating cast. And that's exactly what this is going to be again. Tass, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what Lucid Inc. is? Absolutely. So we are playing Monster of the Week. And the idea here is that all of the players are agents for a company called Lucid Inc. And this company specializes in downloading their agents into the brains and dreams of their clients in order to hunt down and eliminate their nightmares. So all of your playbooks will be manifestations of how you see yourself in the dream world and how you would best go in to eradicate dream monsters. Would it be safe to assume... Like, I love this idea, but on some level, it also seems like really bougie, like only rich people can afford this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think the idea is that this is still very dangerous. It's kind of like, I, I say this is a mix between Inception, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Matrix a little mm-hmm. bit. And that's the one kind of matrixy thing, but also a little bit Nightmare on Elm Street as if, you know, you die in the dream slash if your brain stops, you you die in real life. Yeah. So it's very dangerous. So they have to pay a lot of money to get this done. Yeah. So that's going to begin next Monday, July 25th. Again, that is going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv slash the crit show. This first session is going to be myself, Kim, Megan, and Jake. Uh, and then after that, we might have some special guests. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Might, might do a bit of a rotating cast. Could just, be. You know, who knows? A little bit there. It's just, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we hope to see you there. And if you can't make it, we will post them the following week over on our YouTube channel. Uh, a couple days later, once we're cleared through the uh, the Twitch, you can't share this anywhere else <laughs> until we've had it exclusively for a while. So with that, enjoy the next episode of Further Investigation. And just a bit of a reminder, you do have two episodes of Further Investigation today. So there will not be an intro into the second one. It's just going to jump straight into the story.
as you all approach the grounds of the Umbra Carnival, uh, before you can reach the circus proper, you have stumbled upon what looks like a riot brewing. There are a lot of townsfolk here up in arms, like literal torches and pitchforks among some of them, uh, kind of squaring up against a handful of the circus guards that you have seen patrolling the grounds. Um, and there seems to be kind of a one gentleman at the front uh, who seems to be kind of the leader of this pack who has his back to the guards at the moment is facing the rest of the townsfolk uh, and seems to be spewing some kind of inflammatory sentiment to rile them up. What do y'all want to do? Uh, I'm I'm pushing ahead. I'm going to push up towards this person that seems like they're the leader. All right. Uh, it is sort of a dense crowd here. So how do you want to try to make your way through? Is it a shoulder checking people? Is it a sliding in through the crowd nice and smooth? Uh, I mean, I think I'm pretty good at that. Like that's uh, a lot of what my training has had to do with is is dealing with crowds like that. So I'm just trying to slip through, like use my momentum, uh, shoulder them out of the way kind of thing. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me just a, a straight strength check then? Okay. 15. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think you have any trouble navigating through this crowd, despite its density um, and the uh, the stock of some of these country folk, hardworking farmer people, you are able to kind of push through them uh, and make your way towards the front of the group. Uh, what about the rest of you? Are you all following in with Quinn? Are you guys hanging back? Yeah, I'd be following Quinn. I think for the moment I'm hanging back. I think I'm circling around the edge of this crowd to get a little closer, but still kind of stay out of the fray. Okay. Um. All right, Thomas, and I think you are able to kind of draft off of Quinn, uh, follow yeah. the wake that he leaves behind to make your way through the crowd with him. That's what I figured, yeah. Uh, so, Quinn, you get to the front of this group, and uh, you come face-to-face with this man who seems to be the de facto leader right now. He is a, a bit of an older man in his 50s, maybe. Uh, he's got dark skin and black hair that is graying a little bit. Um, he's got it pulled back into a ponytail, uh, and he does have a, a sword at his hip. He is not currently wielding it, um, but he is clearly armed, uh, and he kind of spots you as you make your way through the crowd um and he seems to blanch a little bit you know his words kind of catch in his mouth um he was in the middle of sort of a diatribe about like the dangers of outsiders in the town uh and he he stumbles over his words a bit as he sees you come up yes we got trouble <laughs> right here <laughs> in Elsurian city <laughs> got trouble with a capital c and that wait no that's the letter with a capital T, and that rhymes with C, and that stands for carnival. Yes, there we go. There we are. <laughs> we found it. Hey, man, what's the deal? Uh, he looks just so confused. Uh, he says, uh, uh, what do you mean, what's the deal? Well, I can't assume that you're bringing all of these weapons just to enjoy the carnival. Gods, no. We're here to do something about this. About what? You think this is about the attack? Yes, of course this is about the attack. Sir, I'm afraid that you're grossly misinformed. Now, if you would just listen to me, I have irrefutable proof that no one at the carnival was involved in this attack. Uh, and you hear one of the carnival guards that is behind you guys say, yeah, you stupid redneck, listen to the lady. <laughs> I'm going to turn around and point at that guy. Motherfucker, we're trying to help you out right now, so you're going to sit down and de-escalate before I de-escalate you into a goddamn river, you understand? <laughs> Uh, Young Quinn has a real Joe Dirt energy. 
Uh, make an intimidate check. Okay. 19. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, that guy like melts in his, <laughs> in his armor. He, he gets like three inches shorter, uh, as he cowers at your words, uh, and kind of like un- averts his eyes and turns like 15 degrees off from you. So he's not facing you directly. That's right. Go do a cartwheel clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's you don't get to talk back. I get to talk back. <laughs> And I, I, I turn back to this crowd kind of following Thomason's lead. She's right. We found some people that are admitting to what happened with all this attack, and it wasn't none of them. So just calm down. Uh, there is a, a murmur that kind of spreads through the crowd, um, and this gentleman at the front uh, looks at you and turns back to the crowd and says, uh, and are these the people that we want to listen to? They're hardly better than the members of the carnival. They don't live in our town. They don't spend their money at our businesses. They don't know us, and we don't know them. How can we trust the words of these outsiders against these other outsiders? And he just kind of gestures broadly at the carnival grounds. Uh, We were given free reign by your sheriff. Your sheriff trusts us. If you would rather go against the law and join this man in what seems to me to be vigilanteism, then uh, by all means, I'm sure there will be no repercussions. That murmur among the crowd starts to sound a little bit more, like, uncertain. Uh, a little bit more scared. Uh, and you can all see the guy at the front, like his eyes are kind of darting around the crowd um, as if realizing that he's losing them. Uh, and he seems a little bit worried about that. Look, I know that all of you are scared and that this attack has shaken this town. But the last thing that we need is more violence. I know that you're all good people. Um, Thomason, why don't you make a diplomacy check and... Quinn and Rainer, if either of you wants to roll to help out, uh, you've got good ground to stand on for that. Remember, there's no consequence yeah. if you don't make the roll. <laughs> oh, uh, 16. All right, so that'll add a plus two to Tom's roll. Quinn, okay. you gonna go for it too or not? Oh, sure. Do it. 14. All right, that's another plus two to your roll. 23. All right. The murmur through the crowd calms down some. Um, there is a little bit of indignation I think you can all pick up on, kind of like a like a... No, I mean, we, we weren't going to, like, kill him or anything. Like a like a refusing to be accountable for what was maybe about to happen. Um, but everybody seems to be kind of ready to dissolve. Uh, and this guy at the front, um, he seems to be settling down a little bit as well. Uh, you know, he seems disappointed, uh, but not like he's planning to do anything about it. Like, just kind of, okay, the wind's out of his sails at the moment. We have been informed that... The people responsible for this have pulled a number of similar jobs, uh, not necessarily the uh, murder that came along with it, but specifically the robbery. If anyone here in the last year, two years, three years have had your location robbed, your place of work, your home, we would love to chat with you about what that experience was like. So please, as you disperse, uh, if you have encountered something like this, please stay around and, and have a chat with us because it might help us find who the actual killer is. Can I also be watching this ringleader? Because, like, I'm trying to get a vibe off of him to see if he is just upset that he doesn't get to, like, do this righteous attack in his mind, or if, like, he's disappointed that we've broken up something bigger. You know, I'm trying to see if maybe he is in on this whole situation and trying to be a a ringleader to throw blame here. Oh, like, if... This whole thing was set up to frame the circus. He was on a good path to complete that. Right. Roll sense motive. Okay. Is this something that I can assist with since I've also been talking to him? Sure. I don't know. Okay. So how do I do that? 
Uh, you just also roll a sense motive check, and if it's a 10 or above, he gets a plus two to his roll. Okay, so I don't add my modifier? You add your sense motive skill oh, modifier, great. yeah. 27. Okay, so yeah, that'll <laughs> add a plus two to Quinn. That brings me up to 17. <laughs> I have a plus 11 to sense motive. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you don't even have to roll. Because it's just on a That's plus true. 10, it succeeds. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you've got over a over a 10 in whatever the relevant skill is, you just you can just aid with it. That's true, but that's not as fun as saying a 27, Rev. <laughs> Quinn, you you scrutinize this man, and uh he is actually the the only one of this crowd who starts to approach Rainer uh as they disperse. And I think you can see that there is a nervousness to him right now. You know, having been up front with him and watched him delivering his words to this crowd and watched him come down off of them starting to disperse, he seems uneasy about that fact. But he does seem to be masking it quite well. Uh, it would not be obvious to most people. Okay, then I'm definitely going to approach and just try to chill and be casual to Rainer's side. Um, yeah, Rainer, this guy walks up to you uh, and he says, uh, what's all this about shops being robbed? Yes, the group who was responsible for this, we actually found some of them in the shop. They discussed with us that they have been hired from people in town to pull similar jobs, going in, stealing things, and they're getting paid in hams and mead. <laughs> we tried to sign up, but yes. it didn't work. They, they wouldn't allow it. Uh, he kind of frowns, uh, and he says, that is curious. I mean, to my knowledge, there's not an excess of crime in town, but occasionally things do happen by the docks. I've always assumed it to be people traveling up or down river who stop over and take a little more than they deserve. Have you ever heard or seen a skulk? He furrows his brow, and he says, I can't say that I'm familiar with the term. Yes, that's fair. Uh, humanoids, uh, gray skin, a little more nature-bound. They don't live in town, but there seems to be two of them perhaps living in this town somewhere. But the docks, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about the water. We're so used to seeing them in the forests and in the wooded areas. He kind of, he puts a hand on his hip and like scratches his head with the other hand. And he says, no, I can't rightly say that I've ever seen anything like that other than what they got at this carnival. But I'll take your word for it for now that that's not something I need to be concerned about. Yes, yes. Um, who runs or works at the dock? Uh, he says, well, I do. I run a shipping and storage business. Uh, there's another man who spends a lot of his time working the docks. His name is Brayton. And I'm sorry, what was your name? Moncello. Borvius Moncello. Strong name. Very good. It is a strong name. <laughs> <laughs> it's Borvin time. <laughs> man, if I'd have known that was your name, I wouldn't have stepped up like this. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like I should follow him. If you're coming for the king, you best not miss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the things that you've experienced at the docks, uh, a little being taken, you thought it was people from out of town. Do you have any examples? Is it just some of the things being transported, part of them being missing, or whole shipments? Is it food, clothing? On the rare occasion that this happens, it seems to be coin or valuable items. Not really anything so mundane as food or clothing, unless it's finery that is for some reason being stopped at our docks overnight or in transit to somewhere else. This is going to sound like an odd question, but when you say finery, if I knew nothing about, say, textiles or or art or whatever, is it something that without any knowledge, just looking at it, you'd be like, oh, that's probably valuable because it looks nice? Uh, he like kind of looks 
up into the like you know he's he's got a thinking face yeah. on uh and he says uh i suppose i i mean i think a a fine silk is visibly nicer than you know, what you or i are wearing right now yes like the no offense yes the luminosity on it sure the sheen yes interesting well thank you very much i'm sorry to have interrupted your uh flash mob but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, he chuckles and he kind of like, you know, he, he puts his hands up and shakes his head. He says, no, no, it's probably best that you did. I'm, I'm sorry when, when I get worked up and when the town gets worked up, it's not unlikely that we might lose our heads and do something rash. So I appreciate you stepping in and putting a stop to that before it started. This is not my finest moment. Man, I get it. I'm from a little town just like this, you know, and we're here to try to help. If, if these folk had something to do with what went on, then. We'd be gunning for them just the same way, but just doesn't seem like that's the case, you know? So we want to make sure and keep y'all honest as we keep them honest, too. He he nods. He says, I appreciate that. That's very noble of you all. Well, um, I suppose I'll head back home. Uh, try not to stir up any more trouble on my way. Good luck with your investigation. Uh, thank, thank you. you. I'd follow that man into hell. Borbius. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he turns and starts kind of following the rest of the crowd that has already trekked back towards town. He turns and starts borving away. <laughs> <laughs> he borves straight into the trees. <laughs> you never see him again. That was the last I saw, Borbius Moncello. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes a local legend. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the carnival guards um, are now just kind of relaxing and, uh, you know, they're still standing at their post at the entrance here, um, but they are not nearly as on edge. Uh, just watching the rest of you, seeing what you're going to do. Now, we didn't come here initially to break up this near fight, right? We had heard that a, a priestess was coming to the carnival to try to talk to the Sphinx. Correct. Uh, Sheriff Feldane had told you that Sister Woodmere uh, had headed this direction because she was going to see if she couldn't use her divine magics to suss out some truths. Yeah, as soon as uh, this crowd kind of disperses and everyone's a little bit more chill, I'm definitely heading in towards uh, towards the carnival. I'm going to follow. Yeah. All right. Uh, you you pass the guards. Um, Quinn, as you walk past, uh, the one that you didn't reprimand uh, kind of leans in with a smirk and says, like, you know, we would have had that. And the other one still is, like, pointedly avoiding eye contact with you, <laughs> like, has his back turned fully to you. I know, man, but... It's better that you ain't had a chance to have it, you know what I mean? He he winks at you and then turns to like face the entrance again and resume his post. Did a Sister Woodmere pass this way? Uh one of them says, uh yeah, a, a while ago. Marvelous. And did you catch the direction that she was heading into the carnival? As far as I know, she said that she was on the authority of the sheriff like all y'all and that she wanted to go speak to the Sphinx. Well then, sounds like we should join her, shall we? Yeah, I mean I can't swear that she got the opportunity you know the, the sphinx only makes appearances at certain times so the guards there might have redirected her to almara or something but um, yeah you're welcome to head that direction and i do you guys make your way back over towards the traveling zoo uh section of the carnival and towards the sphinx's grand tent and there actually aren't any guards posted in front of it at this moment is the sign still up that says the times that it is here in the tent yes does it look like we've missed it or where where we uh, uh i mean the the Carnival's not even like open for business today yet. So this is certainly not a time that the Sphinx would be like doing a show or anything. Um, 
it's unclear if the Sphinx just is hanging out in the tent otherwise. Yeah, then I'm going up to the front of it and just not knocking. It's a tent. Just <laughs> flap, flap, flap. flap Punching flap, flap. the Hello. canvas. <laughs> Hello, is anyone here? Uh, you do not hear a response. Well, it doesn't sound like anyone's home. Peek inside. Uh, you pull back the flap of this tent and uh, you can see like centered up here uh, a, a massive cage that is presently empty. Um, in fact, you don't you don't hear anything or see any movement uh, like in in the proper part of this tent. It is fairly big, though. So there are kind of parts of it that you can't really see from just peeking your head in the flap. Yes. And I'm going to walk in and again. Hello. Is anybody is anybody back here? Uh, what's everybody else doing? You all heading inside? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Everybody make a perception check. Seven. Nineteen. Thirty-six. <laughs> Jesus. Fourteen. Rainer sees sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rainer, you don't you don't notice anything as you head in here. Big big dumb empty tent. What's the big deal? Huh. Uh or no, not not Rainer. Sorry. Quinn. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. What did we need to hit? <laughs> Wrong person. Was 40. <laughs> well, the same thing I just said to you, but for Quinn. Quinn, you don't notice anything as you come in here. What? Celestine, your your calls are again met with silence. Um, nobody responds. There is nothing other than just the wind kind of dancing on the canvas of the tent walls. There is no real movement in here. Uh, Rainer, as soon as you step in this tent, you can tell that something is wrong. Um, you, you walk in and you can see that there are footprints on the ground. Um, where clearly somebody has come in here and has not departed. And I think kind of scanning around and looking past the cage uh, and towards one of the corners of this tent, you can see a body laying on the ground, motionless. And is there any sign of anyone else other than this person who has not, who has maybe departed? <laughs> uh, you do not pick up any indication of anyone else currently being here. Oh dear, I think we may have been just a little too late. I'm going to start moving over towards the body. You... Head over there and you see the corpse of Sister Woodmere. <gasps> no! Oh, no! Her wounds appear nearly identical to those of Archivan Walder. I want to just stop in, in my tracks and try to like examine the body in the area around her, knowing that we kind of misunderstood some things the last time we saw a body. Yeah, you can make another perception check here to scrutinize the body. 32. Yeah, what what exactly are you trying to suss out here? Help, I think I'm help me help you. Yeah, I think I'm trying to see. You know, we know that there were footprints before around the person who had been killed, but they were too heavy to be the monitor lizard, but too light to be the sphinx. Are there similar prints? Where do they go? Is there a way out for something to have flown out of here? Um, yeah, just looking at the area around the body and the wounds. Okay. Um, you can tell with certainty that whatever caused the death of Archivan Walder is the same thing that caused the death of Sister Woodmere. So that disparity in the tracks between what you'd expect from a Sphinx and what you're seeing here, it's the same. The types of claw marks and bruising, it's the same. Like, it is clear to you that the same type of creature or attacker did this to her as did this to Walder. I think also, uh, as Quinn and Tom noted about where Walder's body was found, it does just kind of seem like the beast footprints don't come from anywhere or go anywhere. They're just kind of here and they did their thing and then they're gone. 
Um, but I think you do also notice that uh, part of where the canvas of the tent is flapping along the back wall of the tent, it is actually cut open. Over there, the tent has been cut open. Maybe whatever came in to get her went out the same way again. Can I look at the wounds on this body? Can I tell how long ago this happened? Uh, make a heal check? Six. It's kind of hard to gauge. Um, I don't, I don't want to be insulting, but you know when Sister Woodmere was on her way here and it was within like the last hour. So it's been sometime. like two weeks. Since yeah. we played this. It's been a long time. This was a long road from. Wait, so she had these wounds before we met her. You, yeah, she was you, hiding them under the cloth. You know that you didn't meet her double or like this is, this is Sister Woodmere and this kill, this die happened since the last time you saw her. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so we can rule out the carnival being in a, a time vortex. <laughs> or the presence of doppelgangers. Yes. Quinn and Thomason, what are you two doing? When Rainer draws attention to that torn piece of the tent, I think I'm like heading outside to get an angle around to see if this is a situation where something literally flew in or if something might have left tracks that they had to climb up and come in from above. I'm following Quinn out of the tent, but I think I am I am looking for another guard or looking for where Almara might be because like we need to talk to this sphinx because someone is very clearly framing this creature okay Quinn why don't you make a survival check for me okay 25 nice all right uh yeah you are able to spy tracks here um I think you are able to pick up more than you were at the site of the last murder because beyond just seeing where beast tracks land and do some damage, and then don't seem to go anywhere, you see human footprints. Um, and you see what looks like evidence of tampering with those human footprints, an attempt to cover up the tracks that do seem to lead in from and back out of that cut in the tent. Uh, and as you head that way and head outside of the tent to see where they lead, um, just a little ways away outside the back of the tent, you see two discarded clown costumes. Boys and girls, we got some action out here. And I'm heading towards those discarded costumes. Tom, as you kind of keep an eye out for another guard, um, you know, again, the circus is very quiet right now. Like they're just barely gearing up for the day. Um, so occasionally in the distance, you see like some circus employees pass by. Um, and I think it's, you know, not not a few moments before like several rows of wagons down kind of between two wagons. You do catch a glimpse of a guard who is seems to be on patrol of the grounds. Uh, yeah, I will jog over to them. We need to speak to Mistress Dallison immediately. Uh, he looks down at you, surprised. He says, okay, I can go fetch her. Please, thank you. Uh, yes, ma'am, right away. Um, and he heads off in the direction that you know all of the crew wagons are behind the big top. Uh, and everybody is able to convene on Quinn here, standing around a pile of garish polka-dotted clothes and colorful wigs. Uh, I just sort of walk them through the path here that probably came in wearing this shit so that they could go unnoticed, tracks up too, climb up, cut their way in. I don't know how or why they can do something to be an animal, bring in an animal, turn into an animal. Fuck, I don't know. Did the did the deed and nope, that's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed as clowns. <laughs> did their murder, left the same, did the... <laughs> <laughs> did, did their dark machinations? Did their dark work? 
took her out, retraced their steps, tried to cover it, did a piss-poor job, discarded the clothes, and ran. So a pair of them. Looks like. But as far as you could tell, were there only one set of creature footprints? Yes. So do you think that we're dealing with some sort of shapeshifter? Or a summoner? Maybe they shrunk the Sphinx just a little bit. And then? I, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> Everybody is positing odd solutions to this. <laughs> a sphinx at a 75% scale. <laughs> Maybe we should ask where they would have gotten these costumes. Because if they're not part of the circus, they probably put these on to blend in. So if we could figure out where these were being kept, somebody might have seen someone. As you are all having a conversation, you hear uh, the, the clanking of armor heading back your direction and a couple pairs of... Uh, foot what's the sound why can't i think footsteps? of the sound yeah steps jeez i was like a couple pairs of footprints wait no those are things you see with your eyes sounds. a couple sets of foot sounds a couple of coconuts uh and that guard returns with uh almara but you hear them head inside of the sphinx tent um and then almost instantly you hear like a cry of shock from almara oh head back inside yeah yep yep um and as we go i want to stop and examine the cut in the tent like is it a smooth cut or like does it look like a blade or claw make a perception check okay 28 it is a very clean cut you are positive that this was made by a dagger okay uh, are you all heading back in through the cut in the tent or circling around to the front door no i'm going <laughs> around Surprise. the front <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> boo uh all right you circle around head back in the front flap of the tent and you see the guard uh standing over and almara kneeling by the body of sister woodmere and they look up as you come in and almara looks up to all of you wide-eyed uh and says what happened we just came from around back seems like a couple of folk dressed up like your clowns made their way in here they cut a piece of the tent open to get in somehow made it look like this animal attack again made their way back out through the clown clothes on the ground and made off. Sister Woodmere here was quite vocal in the town about heading here to talk to the Sphinx to try to suss the truth out of her. It seems as though our murderers heard that, waited for her to walk in, and then killed her. She slams a fist in the dirt in frustration, uh, and she stands up and turns to all of you. So you all understand that this is clearly a frame job then, right? It sounds like we're all on the same page. Oh, yes, absolutely. Unless you're framing yourself. She, like, puts her face in her hands, and you hear, like, a frustrated cry into her into her hands, muffled, and she takes her hands away and says, Why? 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 Explain yourself. What are you talking about? If I come up with something, I'll let you know. But for now, it was just some words I said. <laughs> now, my understanding of the art of clowning is that there are no generic clowns, that clowns have a personality and a persona. Would you be able to identify the costumes of your clowns? I think this is, uh, I think this is where we depart from how <laughs> clownery works in the real world versus how clownery works in this fantasy world. Oh, no. Because uh, she, she says... Uh, what the hell are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking What the fuck are any of you talking about? <laughs> what you mean to tell me you just have a big bundle of clown clothes and any random person yes. puts them on? Any, they, oh, just a chest full of stinky polka dot uniforms. <laughs> they all look identical so that they can do magic tricks of like appearing one, on the different side of the stage. Yeah, one, one can drop down onto the stage and the other one can pop up on the balcony and you think it's the same clown. 
<laughs> Our clowns are all also licensed magicians. We don't have a clown database, but we do have a magician licensing board. <laughs> so you wouldn't recognize your clowns, is what you're saying. <laughs> is that what I'm taking from not, this? Not, not, not by their garb, no. Do each of the people who wear the costumes, do they keep the costumes with them? Or do you have like a... Uh, wardrobe department where they go to get their costumes. No, she already said a big stinky trunk. <laughs> Where's the trunk live? I said it, I said it in a minute. Uh, no, there's there's a wardrobe wagon. Yes, there, there are closets and wardrobes and trunks holding all of the clothing and props and whatnot that our performers need on a daily basis. So someone might be able to at least recognize if the clown's costumes were from your circus. Yes, I think I could fairly say whether that is the case or not. Because uh, there are two Outside, uh, we believe the murderers wore. Uh, she looks in the direction that you're pointing, and she sees that like cut in the tent, and she looks back at you and points at that and says, is, is that where they went out? Yes. Uh, she heads that direction, um, and the guard seems to kind of just stay by the body. Like, he's not sure what to do. He's not being called upon to do anything, so he's going to guard, because that's what he did. <laughs> What's really nice weird is as she goes, she cuts a new hole to go out of, <laughs> so as to not... <laughs> contaminate the scene it's actually it's her she's the murderer but that's how she enters and exits all tents is by cutting it open with a dagger um yeah she she goes out the back of the tent um are you guys like following her out heading out with her yeah yeah um yeah you you lead her over to where the uh sets of clown clothes are um and she gets down and kind of like picks them up and looks at them and she says uh yes these are certainly the uniforms that are well no uh, and she like flips it inside out, uh, and seems to be looking for like a, like a tag or something. And she says, no, it's a, a convincing enough replica, but no, these would not be what our performers wore. Some spirit Halloween. <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> it the just... lockbox <laughs> got turned into spirit Halloween yep. the moment. So fast. <laughs> the moment he was murdered, they put up the banner. <laughs> Have we not had this conversation? Did we have this conversation before? What? I'm having the most intense deja vu. (laughs) I swear we, oh my God. It's like Spirit of Halloween is setting up in your head. (laughs) Because it's empty. (laughs) Um, I also want to, like take one of those from her and just look it over for like forensics kind of like, is there a long black hair that was discarded or like, a smell of a perfume or anything like that. Uh, I think this sounds like a, a perception check again. Okay. I should have let somebody else do this. Can I aid him? Yeah, of course. Okay. Please do. He's He's got such a high perception. I don't have to roll, it. yeah. 13. Oh, 15 with the with the aid, actually. All right. Uh, yeah, you, you find like maybe a shoulder length black hairs. Okay. Um, and, and I think what really particularly jumps out at you, though, is there's there is a smell coming off of one of these uniforms that is unusual and is kind of hard for you to place uh but with rainer's help rainer i think you recognize like the the scent of reagents like you are used to performing alchemy that you are just kind of picking up on the smells of like frankincense and sulfur like chemicals that don't really have a proper place otherwise except to be used in like potion making that's that's how this assist manifested is me like looking this over and getting this and just immediately holding it up to your face. <laughs> hey Ray, smell this. <laughs> oh, that might explain what's going on. What? It's uh, alchemical reagents 
perhaps they've got something that they're they're drinking that's uh, turning them into whatever it is that's committing the murders and then changing back relatively quickly. It might be something that only has a, a very short duration. Is such a thing possible? Oh, yes. Uh, what would go into that? Is this something we could track by the things they would need to make it? Very possible, especially in a town this size. Well, perhaps we could ask in town if uh, anyone knows of any skilled alchemists that could either be our culprit or be someone who could advise us as to how to find them. Do, how do I ask this question? Do skulks have the the capabilities to meta-wise have a class? Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, meta-wise, yes. Okay. You know, I, I think you'd be able to tell from, like, the degree of intelligence they had and, you know, that they were able to carry out this, like, complex job that, like, yeah, theoretically, an, an especially, like, capable skulk or an especially dedicated skulk could probably choose an area of study okay. and commit themselves to a discipline. Yes, because it could go one of two ways. Either someone who is somewhat of a novice like myself, where they could make something for themselves, but only they could utilize it. But someone much more skilled could create something that someone else could use. So it may even be if they've found someone to make them or that sells them from another place. And it's not necessary to assume that this person might be the alchemist, but they also could be, depending on their power level. Well, we've got two murderers. And we know that there are two skulks that work with humans in the town. Yes. So maybe the humans are supplying them with what they need, and they're just carrying out the business? And um, I also take three or four of those shoulder-length uh, hairs that I found and just tie a little string around them and kind of fold them. Also, keep an eye out for somebody with hair about this long. A question that I feel like I would know the answer to, but never bothered to ask. Uh, skulks, wear clothing? Naked monsters? What? <laughs> Loin cloth. Loincloth. Yeah. Like, are, are they wearing shoes? No. Okay. And are these footprints that Quinn tracked bare footprints or shoe prints? Shoe prints. Okay. Um, But skulks don't have hair, do they? Nope. Ah. Oh, I'm so fucking proud of you. Look at my table of detectives. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a Gone. skulk wearing a wig. Wearing a clown wig. <laughs> well, these are synthetic. Walking on his hands because shoes are too uncomfortable Clomping on around feet. in <laughs> shoes. Well- we have those hairs. Maybe Baby Dragon could help us. Oh. They've got a great sense of smell. Yes. Oh, yeah. Someone <laughs> found out about that. I do recall that. I wrote it down in my notes. Because <laughs> 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 I thought it might come up later, and then I forgot. <laughs> I know. I'll never forget. I'll never forget um, Baby Dragon. I want to look at Almara. Madam, I know that you're fiercely protective of your family, and also that the Sphinx is very secretive, but... I think it might be prudent to speak with her, if we could. This does seem like a rather targeted attack on her. Almara's still kind of, like, like wide-eyed. Like, she's a little bit, like, frenzied at everything that's happening. Um, and, you know, she she looks at you, and she kind of looks, like, like rapidly at all of you. And you could tell that, like, she's, she's thinking. Like, she's trying to come to a decision, looking at all of you and, like, weighing you all. Madam, the Sphinx isn't real, is it? Her eyes dart to you, like instantly and her brow furrows and she says what would make you say that well keeping this place closed when the sphinx is not on stage the fact that i don't see any sign in here of food or really anything to deal with the sphinx the fact that it behaved in a way that was performatory that it was getting loose but it was very clearly just a show and the fact that it's nowhere to be found her eyes like just stay barreling you for like five seconds and then she breathes in very deeply and breathes out a big sigh 
and she calls into the guard uh, and she says, fetch Ica. Uh, and you hear the guard acknowledge that and you hear kind of the clanking of metal as he departs the tent. And Almara says, let's head back inside. Uh, and she turns to walk back for that cut in the canvas of the tent. Yeah, follow. Yeah. Yeah. As you all get back in, she kind of starts to look around the tent, like measuring what you have put forth as the evidence. Yeah. There's no food. There's no this and that. And she's kind of shaking her head as she does. Uh, and a moment later, you hear like the metal clanking and the footsteps again uh, as the guard returns with a young woman whose face you recognize because it is the face of the Sphinx that you saw performing in the Big Top. And Almara puts a, a hand over her brow, like rubs her forehead, and says, uh, well, let me introduce you all to our Sphinx. This is Ika, our illusionist. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Look to the sea. Wayland's assembled a team. They're inside already. This was a risky gamble. There will be consequences for the both of you. Mm, don't threaten me with a good time. You said this would be a quick in and out job! Did, did, did I say that? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm drawing a blank here, Johnny. Peace of mind. Is that what you call it? You think that what you've given me is peace of mind? I knew you'd come out on the other side. That's just you, right? You never give up. Unless you're giving up on me. It's always raining in Neo-Atlantis. It can't rain all the time. That'll be enough, Mr. Indri. Enough conversation. You have a job to do. Finish it. Kill them. Return Alex Webb to us. The sentiment will surely get me killed in the process, but I mean... None of us get out of this life alive. Am I right? Cybernautica Breakwall, Cybernautica Undertow. A production of Red Fathom Entertainment. Presented by the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to both complete series now. Welcome to Neo-Atlantis.